Welcome to Y2B Fit Talks, where we dive deep into the world of fitness, health, and wellness. Join us as we have heart-to-heart conversations with members of our vibrant boutique fitness studio right here in the heart of Philadelphia. Discover how our unique approach helps our clients build consistency and discipline for long-lasting health and well-being. Testing. There we go. Okay, cool. Hey guys, welcome back to Why to Be Fit Talks. My name is Greg, this is Crystal, and with us is Dana Rowe. Dana, so glad that you're here with us today. Um, we're so excited to hear your story. Again, we know your story, but we want to be able to share your story out with uh, with everyone. Give us a little bit about your background and maybe like, you know, origin story with fitness. We'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm almost 50. I'm going to be turned 50 um, November 7th, Scorpio, all day long. Um, so I've got a lot of life you know, kind of packed into those 50 years. Always athletic, um, never the best. I ran, I did cross country, I did cheerleading, I did gymnastics, I did softball, I did kickball. Now that's what we need to bring back. Right. Um, I mean, you name it. I was always involved in athletics in some level. I didn't necessarily pursue it because I had a passion for it. I did it to kind of be part of a group. Or, I mean, my cheerleading story is epic. I was not popular um, in seventh grade. I was short. Everybody was about, you know, a foot or more taller than myself. And I got picked on a lot. And I also was not like a kid who could do standardized testing or like do well in school in that way. And so I kind of got like grouped with these kids I really didn't identify with. And so I'm like, oh my God, I, I feel isolated. I feel alone. Like, this is not where I want to be. So I was like, okay, well, how do you get popular? Well, I I tried out for cheerleading and it was, you know, <laughs> and it, but it worked. But I mean, like the evolution of that story is, and this is what I tell um, my daughter June all the time is that, yes, it made me popular. Yes, it was belonging to something, um, but I still didn't feel like I fit in. So, you know, I think... And that's true for fitness for a lot of people, I think. It's like a means of, um, especially at first, kind of fitting in and finding a place and maybe finding a rhythm in in a space in your high school or your junior high school or whatever it is. Um, but hopefully later in your life, evolving into something that means more to you. Absolutely. And so you came into something that, you know, with, with, with cheerleading that you kind of was like, I'm here, I'm doing it. But after kind of high school and college, what did that kind of evolve into? What did your movement look like? <laughs> Sitting on a couch. Um, I mean, a movement story, um, you know, doesn't really kind of happen until later in my life. I, I think as someone who struggled with, you know, using different drugs and, and certainly alcohol, um, having lots of self-confidence issues along the way and being primarily lost Uh, while, you know, the people you went to high school or even college with are kind of already thriving and going in directions where you're just kind of spiraling a little bit downward. Movement was not a part of my life. Um, and maybe that's a lesson in, you know, uh, just because it worked at one time to, to find inclusivity, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it, it takes you elsewhere, which ultimately takes us back to, it begins with you. So, yeah. Tell us about your running. Running became a major, major part of my life. Um, I used running as a means for weight management. Um, 
but ultimately I would always say that the first three miles were the hardest, uh, because I was always looking for that moment when the endorphins were kicking in, when I could be in a more meditative state, when it helped with the anxiety. So, you know, headphones on, legs get going and off I went. So, I mean, I did that for many, many years and, and, uh, back when I was drinking, I would even do it like hungover. I had a few because I had to get it in that day. It didn't really matter. So running's been a really important part of my life and a really important story of my life because ultimately not being able to run has brought me where I am today. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Having to find different solutions, you know. Right. That's how I came to you guys. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm walking down the street. I've got one of my dogs and I see a sign up and Greg, there you are. And I say, oh, what are you doing? How, what's this going to be? Oh, tell me more about it. Yeah. Um, I remember when we first met and I'm looking up and, and Crystal, I didn't want to pay for um, paper or, you know, paper on the, or I didn't want to pay for brown paper on the windows. So I took <laughs> newspaper and I posted it all up. And it was probably the ugliest. It took me forever, but it was free. And it was the ugliest stuff ever. And I remember Dana coming by and I'm like, I'm outside covered in dust and grime. And I was doing the, the demo on this. And it's like, oh, I live in the neighborhood. I'm Dana. That was actually a really bad day for me, though. I don't know if you remember that, but I was not in the best headspace that day. Um, it was fortuitous in terms of uh, just planting a seed, I guess, for what's available in the in the neighborhood. And I remember the one thing you did share is just like, you know, I've had a lot of problems with my knees and running and I'm not running. And, you know, kind of one of the things that we've specialized in here is just going at a pace that's really manageable and also taking the time to kind of like try to figure out things. You know, I made the comment before, it's like, um, we do experiments in here, right? So when we do experiments, it's like, we have a hypothesis. I think this is going to be the challenge and let's start working on this and let's see what this thing kind of unfolds. And it helps to manage expectations about the process and what the process is. And also it doesn't feel like um, a lot of times the feelings of failure it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, let's let's get a new hypothesis. Let's try again. Let's keep going. And, um, you know, we believe slow and steady wins the pace. I think it's race. race. Yeah. yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. And the pace, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's cliches it's are here yeah. for a reason, but I yeah, think yeah. we need to, you know, um, get on the straight grade. Let's go. Let's go, Wadarski. I know. I don't have enough coffee. Today. Um, <laughs> I, mean, what, I mean, it's late in the day. It's time to beef that up. <laughs> I know. Well, this is our... Like, oh, yeah, it is late in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I shouldn't be drinking this. Because Maybe I'm... you should do some push-ups. <laughs> yeah. Come on, let's do, let's do a couple right, right now. I already worked out today. Okay. And then I have to run later. So, mm. Well, actually, I want to run later. Let's, let's rephrase that. So what kind of, tell us, if you don't mind sharing, what kind of challenges were you having um, with running? What was not working for you with that? Because it seems like you found, a, you know, kind of like a joy within that. And that was something that you did as a great practice and you practiced it a lot, in, you know, through good times, through bad, everything like that. Yeah. Um, I had stopped running races for a while and, you know, stopped focusing on, you know, running towards a goal. So it was kind of like running became a little more like when I can, when it feels good, you know, and 
wrapped up in all this is depression and dealing with family and dealing with all kinds of things that have kind of been part of my life. Um, and I think that I did go through a long stretch with running and myself where I couldn't always check the box that I would get it done because I would let the emotional side of me, the sensitive side of me, the side of me that was hard to reconcile um, many times uh, get in the way. Um, so finding a place again in running where I had more consistency and, and I had a goal, I was going to do the 10 mile uh, Rocky run. Mm -hmm. And I trained for that. Um, and it was liberating when I did it absolute liberating. Like I cried so hard when I crossed the finish line that I couldn't breathe. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like when you hold it in and you can't swallow because yeah. like your, your whole esophagus is yeah. tightening up and you're like, you will not do this. Um, yeah, that's what it was. Um, unfortunately, that was the race that pretty much demoed um, my knees, especially my left patella. Um, I think the, the, um, the cant of the road because it was out on Kelly Drive kind of like all the way out and then out to say like into West Philly and, and back, you were always running on the same, at the same camp camp. So like on the way back, my right leg was down and this one was up and then the way back, it was the same and it was really destructive. And I mean, I would think especially kind of thinking about race courses in the future, that would be something definitely to consider, but after that, it was just like I would, I kept running, but within a mile, I was limping. And so, you know, thinking that I had the body of a 30 year old, but probably at that time, the body of a, sorry, 44, maybe, um, you know, I'll, I'll just power through it. Won't be a problem, that kind of thing, um, which I tried for a while. And I'm not necessarily good about going to doctors or seeking help. So always kind of a, get it done girl, you know, all in one package. <laughs> that means you just because you have a medical degree. I don't need you. You can't fix me. Um, so yeah, I did. And then, and I acclimated to it by just not running fast. If I didn't run fast, if I tried not to, you know, go for speed and, and things like that, I could maintain. Um, and actually I did that until COVID and the day that the world shut down, and here in Philadelphia was my, supposed to be my first day of PT for my knee. So I never started. Mm. And then I ran like that all through COVID. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a long time. It is a long time. It is a long time. So then when you came and saw us, it was kind of, uh, you know, it was more strength training and we said, okay, let's start to work on these things um, and see, you know, let's do some experiments and see if we can strengthen your legs and, and, you know, knees and soft tissue and figure out like, Hey, can you get back to running? Well, I mean, there was one critical thing that had happened as, as a means of my trying to find like, I mean, you know, I had a relationship with drinking my whole life over COVID. It went to a place where I was uncomfortable with it. I'd always have, I have a huge, like I was born to be an alcoholic, my whole family, you know, massive alcoholics. And kind of thinking back, it was definitely something that I thought I wanted to prove to myself that I could handle, right? You know, I couldn't have said that then, and I didn't even say that two months ago, but I can say that now as a knowing of myself. It was like, come on, I got this. I'm not gonna fuck up like, sorry, fuck up like them. <laughs> 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 he was watching, Curtis. Curtis. sorry, over there. You know, take me as I am. 
you know, unedited. It's it's really a better place to be. <laughs> um, so where was I? I have ADHD too. So let's let's, let's bounce along together. together. You don't want to be like them. Being your oh family. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, just over COVID, it just became too much of a presence in my life, and um, I started looking for a community where. Uh, it wouldn't be centered around drinking. So I was in playing squash at a club nearby and really enjoying it and really loving it. And then I tore my right meniscus. So then I was out from that. And then what do you do when you're stressed out when you have, um, when there's family circumstances that demand your attention kind of all the time, right? And as a mother, you can't take your eye off that. Um, and not having a stress relief release, it just all accumulated to me really being like, I think I, I need to do a better job and investigate this relationship with alcohol. And, um, you know, if there's a different podcast where there's more space to talk about things like that, cause I think it's a journey that a lot of people are on. Yeah. And I also think it's a journey filled with a lot of shame. <laughs> and, you know, I was able to find an outlet where, um, and a resource and a support where you don't have to stand up and say, I'm an alcoholic you know, it's called gray area drinking and you kind of find your place in there and then you just, you do a lot of work. Um, but it's really self-led too, which is an amazing process. So, you know, that's kind of like where I had, I had stopped drinking. I don't remember when we met exactly. Um, but I always did a dry January and it was the one that I met you. It'll be two years in this January. Um, that I was like, I'm doing it different. I'm not just going to do dry January and then go back to my old, old ways. I'm really just going to change my life. So I did. Mm -hmm. And then I met you. And then that's how I got here. So it was like really multifaceted. I mean, it was an emotional journey for me coming here. Um, it was kind of my first time back in the saddle in a very, very different context and very different light in terms of the type of exercise I was doing but also um, the expectations I had of myself because, you know, when you kind of like throw your heart open and say, okay, well, I'm ready to do life now, you got to put your ego down with it. And that's a process. It's a big process. Definitely. What I've noticed is, you know, like when we run or when we lift, that comes out in the movement, mm -hmm. right? So like we want to ego lift, like we want to lift the big heavy weight. We want to lift it fast. We want to lift a lot of it. We want to lift it quickly. And sometimes we have to just kind of like sit back and be like, okay, all right. I feel all that, but Hey, let's get, let's, let's do this. Let's do it in more of a mindful way and, and uh, you know, kind of figure it out nice and slow and steady. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely coming into your space. Um, when I was, it was definitely in the beginning kind of, a waiting game a little bit. And it, you know, it's a waiting game, not in terms of like what you're teaching me necessarily, but a waiting game for me personally to like find my rhythm with it. I mean, you want to talk about movement. I mean, for me, movement is much more than all the things that we do here, because for me, it has to really connect on like an intuitive level level. Um, and I mean, you know, like it got to the point where I was like, I need to bring my headphones in because I need music. I need to like just, be able to do my routine and focus in on that and, and do me. And I look a little funny over there in that corner, a lot of mornings. Um, and there were a lot of tears for me over there. You know, I, I point over there because I would take the, the, um, that thing you jump on sure. that's round. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> which I now have in my home, which I don't use as often as I'd like, but, um, 
you know, I go over there in that corner with that thing. I face out the window and um, work out a lot of feelings that I was going through. And personally, I think the cardio in the morning needs to be beefed up. Yes. Just saying. <laughs> I think that what you guys do and why I brought so many people to you is because the people that talk to me and the people that I know, they're not talking to me about where they are in their life because we're talking about weight. You know, we're talking about emotions. We're talking about life. We're talking about how do I do better? How do I feel better? How do I, you know, how do I age? Um, I think that's a really important part, especially when you're talking, you know, 45 and older, you just can't, you can't do it the same way. So being here and and bringing all those people in, I I think that there's just definitely like a common thread of kind of like working your mind and body from the center thread outward. Beautifully well said. Oh, thanks. I got a lot. (laughs) <laughs> I think we could talk for hours. You might need another cup of coffee, right? Where do I, where do I double Where do you want to go? Yeah, where do we want to go? Um, I mean, one of the questions that I was thinking about was, uh, you asked me, you know, during the whole time that I was, that I was here and, I, you know, and I'm coming back, but I got really involved in tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but what would I want my daughter to know? Mm. Right. Yeah. I'd want my daughter to know that if your inner voice isn't positive, if your inner voice is telling you you're not good enough, if your inner voice is telling you that you can't do that, if your inner voice is a, is a critic that wants to keep you down then stop listening, don't listen. Because if, if you can't give yourself the self-compassion and the love, no one else is going to, number one. But number two, how do you ever expect to do these things that maybe don't come naturally or aren't easy if you can't be your own cheerleader? Mm. You know? And I think that's where most people struggle with fitness is because it's about weight or, you know, feelings of being inadequate or feelings of being lazy or, or just the idea that there's just not enough time in the day, right? And you get home and you're exhausted. How do you beat all of those things? How do you um, challenge a 24-hour clock um, and still function? So, you know, I often think of it like, you know, if you could possibly think of yourself kind of like layered in all of these clothing and one layer of clothing, you know, might be your job. One layer of clothing might be your role as a husband or a wife. One layer of clothing might be who you are, like in your familiar role as um, a child in your family. You know, we all wear all of these different roles. So if you start kind of saying, all right, well, I'm going to take off that piece of clothing. I'm going to take off this one and this one. All of a sudden, you're kind of left with what? You. Yeah. And who are you without all of that other it's of wardrobe. And I think that's the piece. That's the piece that's going to get you off the sofa. That's the piece that's going to take you into your life journey where um, you're not on lunch break. You know, you are living your life independent from others telling you who you are. It's really your own path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well said. It's so important right, to think about 
who are you without all those things, you know? Yeah. I don't think most of us probably take time to, to do that. And I don't know if everyone can understand the value in it, if they haven't, if they haven't tried or gone there or felt they're in a position where they need desperate change, you know, sometimes you have to go low to go up. So when you came in here, what was, what was, what was different and what allowed you to kind of be able to grow and change? Me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, this is definitely a tool and a very good tool. I leaned on you to, you know, know how to help me with my injuries and how um, to be a coach. And we actually worked on that together. You know, like we had moments where we didn't always see eye to eye and we communicated and we flushed that out. And, um, you know, your space and it was the right fit definitely at the right time. But it was me, mm. you know. That's what, that's what got me here. That's what kept me going. And it wasn't me with smoke and mirrors and ego. It was pretty much me being full flesh, heart wide open saying nowhere but up. Mm-hmm. So it was like a mindset shift for you. Yeah. I mean, and not as consciously I, as that might sound. Um, I've always been empathic. I've always been extraordinarily intuitive and able to channel and and tap into that, not only within myself, but within others. Um, And then in quitting drinking, it exposed like a whole new level of energy and and tapping into all those things. And I felt myself maybe a little, you know, I had, I had some really good groundwork in terms of, of knowing how to become the woman and person I I knew I was already becoming, um, you know, and coming in here and having your support and, and the routine and starting to feel stronger, you know, was definitely something I could spread on and feel really good about, like I'm adding to myself. So I was getting dressed again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What are two or three pieces of, of advice that you would like to kind of give to your daughter, but more, more importantly, kind of like live and be the example to with your movement? Well, I think a big part of, especially my daughter's age, she's 13, you know, she's in junior high school, eighth grade. She's doing really well, really, really well. She's running varsity cross country, um, but she's currently suffering from shin splints. So we're on a little bit of a hiatus, Um, you know, but, you know, in the journey right now in, in that is very similar for her to probably where I was. Um, and I remember my first days of cross country. It was really, really funny. And I always came in on my team, like second to last. And I was like, well, I'm not last. Um, and I still remember the girl's name, um, who usually was. And I wish I could give her a hug because it probably wasn't that kind at the time. But um, I think right now for her and the lesson that I really want to impart is you might not love it. It might be really hard but you're definitely going to learn how to do something, right? And it's not just learning how to run. You're going to learn how to do something that's not easy. And what, you know, what, what triggers happened in your brain that made you finish that race that day? You know, what little events are going on to change the muscle, the the, the, the brain muscle, right? So I think that's one big, one big part of it, you know, and it's not about not quitting. It's about enduring, 
Mm. I think they're two very different things. And we talked about the other one, you know, about not listening to the, to the negative inner self, you know, cause in order to, in order to get here, you can't, you know, bad talk yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't get there yesterday. I'm just such a, like, why didn't I get there? I should have gotten there. I didn't, I didn't plan well enough. I didn't do, you know, this well enough. Well, who cares? That was yesterday. Right. We can, we can flip it. But I think the other thing, and I had it and I lost it. So we're just going to have to bear with me for a minute. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I just need to focus in on what that was. Mm. How could I feel? Forget this one. It's a major mantra of my life. Um, I have a few, but this one is applicable to your question. I do what I call joy chasing. Mm. Joy chasing is my dopamine hit, right? And so many people, in my opinion, really don't know what it means to fulfill that little pocket of joy that we all need, right? So, you know, for me, it's it's coming here. For me, it's um, taking um, trapeze classes or, um, you know, going for height, like anything that I can do in my in my time. And a lot of it is centered around fitness and activities um, because that makes me feel powerful and strong is that go choose some joy, figure out what that is. Um, Cause if you can figure that out, you're, you're pretty golden. That is true. Yeah. That's great advice. A good way to find happiness. Yeah. I mean, and in chasing joy, you can be really unhappy with parts of your life. Of course. You know, I mean, that's the dichotomy is that, it doesn't, a lot of people or, you know, kind of think that if I'm really sad or if I've got something really, you know, heavy going on in my life, that it, it kind of, they don't think it, they feel it. It's consuming, you know, but if you can just maintain a little bit of joy chasing. I like that concept. Yeah. Don't steal it. Huh? You know, book's going to come out one day. Can't have it. Joy chasing. Joy well, I got a, I got a lot of a lot of things are going to get packed in there. Okay, right. You heard it first. You, right? you heard it first here, but you can't steal it. Chase joy. No, see, you've already messed it up. It's joy, joy chasing. It's well, I got to take something. I got to kind of change it a little bit, and I'm going to use it. No, you are. You make my brilliant client Dana Rowe. <laughs> TM <laughs> trademarks. Yeah, you think I'm kidding? Well, you know, I mean, it's really been um, a process and a journey, and and like like I had said to you when I came in here today, the fact that this is happening now, it's a, it's a, like a really um, pivotal time in my life for a myriad of different reasons, and. Um, I'm actually going to change my career and do all kinds of things because of joy chasing, yeah. you know, That's so amazing. thanks. What a, what a great like ability to do that because so many people have trouble transitioning to different things, right? Especially as we get older, we get set in our ways. So being able to pivot like that. This will be my second pivot. Yeah. And that's a really, really important thing too, Justin, you know, and we all are, we all have great responsibilities and finances and things like that. Um, there's a reality to doing it. And I think you two are both evidence, you know, you've pivoted several times in your careers and look at you now, um, and doing it as a married couple, I know probably has its strengths and weaknesses. Um, but you both are like continuing to just step forward in such a positive way and, and mold and adapt 
And I'm sure like while you're doing it here and doing the podcast, you're also doing it with your clients and learning, you know, learning and growing together is part of the process. It's never like an I know and I know this and then I'm stagnant, you know. Yeah. Um, When you think, you know, that's when you know that you don't. Exactly. Movement for a lot of people seems like it has to be huge, right? I have to go run three miles. I have to go do this. There's a lot of I have to. Don't I have to anything? Just get up. Go for a short walk. There's a movie out and I don't remember the name of it. I think it's on Netflix. I watched it over COVID, but it centers around this woman and she's got a really unhealthy lifestyle and she decides that she's going to start running. And it's really this like beautiful thing. Like she couldn't even like barely run out the door. And then you watch her struggle and kind of run around a block. And then she runs around like three blocks and, you know, it's obviously, you know, you get where it's going, mm-hmm. but it's worth watching to see someone who doesn't move and like lifestyles so much a part of it. Anything that you'd like to add uh, or any questions that you have for us? Okay. Here's a question for you. Um, I'll ask you first. Sure. What has been the most difficult part of this journey in, because you had an old studio. Mm-hmm. And now you have this studio. Right. So what is the most difficult part of that journey? And what have you learned? What is the most significant thing you've learned about yourself? That's a good question. I would say the most difficult part of that journey was the transition of, I mean, that studio was mainly me, right? So it was kind of all me all day. And obviously there are other people working there, but I was kind of running that on my own. I was janitor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he was. I was. He was. He did the. There is no job too small, Greg. <laughs> that is true. You know, he shoveled the snow and yeah. um, cleaned up things that were gross. But Regularly. but it was mainly like my baby. Um, and then over COVID, we transitioned because Greg was uh, leaving his other job because they were closing. Um, so he came on, and we really took on more of like a co-parenting role of the business. So I think giving up a lot of that control was hard. Autonomy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you build something mm-hmm. with your own heart, your own soul. Yeah. And so how does that land now? Well, I, th- I mean, I think it's transitioned well. I mean, I like what Greg's doing here. He does, a, he does the opposite of what I do. Not the opposite, but I mean, I'm... Very different. Very different, like our movement practices. And I think that it's been a really good... Um, coming together because I think that symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've yeah. been doing a little bit of talking about that lately too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think at first it was really challenging, but I'm, I'm okay with it now. I've, yeah. I've, I'm okay to let some of it go. <laughs> I um, don't need all the control. Although well, that's really good. I mean that when we decide that we don't need to have that much control, it really opens up the opportunities to decide what you actually do want. You know, when we're so busy trying to control what we already have and what we know, it's like you don't take the time. You're like, well, what should I let go? You know, that would actually feel pretty good. Um, So congratulations. That's hard work, especially as a woman, I feel like, you know, no offense, man. But like us women have to work pretty hard to um, to show up and do it in a way where our chutzpah, is uh, respected uh, with a lot of integrity and and uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Yes. Okay, no, good. Well, totally. When she had her thing and I, I was sat on the sidelines, I was in awe of how much time and effort 
thought everything that was put into it and um by sheer and knowing the details of how we got started knowing the sheer determination and how she brought she brought together from nothing and just being like okay i'm gonna open this and it's gonna be successful right and that was just her mindset and just to watch that unfold was a really beautiful thing and i appreciated it and i'm like awesome and as I was in the sidelines, I'm like, okay. And I've run my own business before. I'm like, okay, well, I hope we can do, put in half as much work as she did with this to, to make it successful when we kind of came to a new location. And we closed uh, based on COVID. We opened, what, two years later, a year later? Year and a half. Year and a half later. And then well, we were online. I mean, we weren't yeah, totally close. Yeah, I mean, we worked with over 100 uh, women online and men. Um, I mean, that just speaks volumes for your community. I mean, a lot of people didn't have that. I mean, the yoga studio that is in the neighborhood, you know, a lot of things couldn't sustain, right? Yeah. So that's just like an amazing accomplishment to even have the ability to transition from there to here. Right. Yeah, we were able to. <laughs> it's like sheer will. <laughs> we have we have a lot of that. 